Today on the Colin and Samir Show, we're speaking with Jordan Matter. He's a creator who's built an audience of 11.5 million people on YouTube through photography challenges and now family content featuring his kids. Prior to joining YouTube, Jordan had a career as a photographer in New York City, and now at age 55, he refers to himself as officially the oldest YouTuber with over 10 million subscribers. In the episode, Jordan talks with us about how he grew his channel, the dangers of creating content with your kids, and the impact of YouTube on entertainment. At one point during the interview, we got the unique opportunity to speak with Jordan's 16-year-old son about what it's like to have a famous dad and be a part of his creator journey. All right, we hope you enjoy our episode with Jordan Matter. I think a great place to start is where your career is right now as a creator, because we'll definitely go back. You've had Mm -hmm. a long career as a creator with different types of mediums, Mm -hmm. but what does your career look like right now? Okay, that's a great place to start. My my career right now is I'm a dad. It reminds me, I was, I, I, I saw Casey interviewed recently and a new sire said to him, who are, who are you right now? And he said, right now I'm a dad that makes pancakes for breakfast. Um, for me, I'm a dad who brings my kids, primarily my daughter to video shoots and we create family content based on our relationship and challenges with well-known creators. That's, that's what I do daily now. How did that come about that you started making content with your kids? Well, should I go back and tell me how we got there or start? Start in the middle and we'll go back. Okay. Yeah, Start, yeah, starting yeah. in the middle, um, what I realized about the content that I was creating is that I, I was the affable talk show host and it was about the collaborator. So if I had uh, Charlie D'Amelio and I was doing a shoot with Charlie, then her fans would tune in to see what crazy things I would ask her to do. And it was high energy and fun, but you didn't have an emotional connection to me in any way. It was just, oh, that guy's kind of funny or fun or whatever. Or I don't like him, but I like whatever. That's yeah. why they watched. So the success of the channel was built on the popularity of the collaborator within my niche even, like within my demographic. Mm. Um, when I started working with my kids, what we found is there, there started to become an emotional connection to the kids, specifically my daughter, and to our relationship. And then that suddenly shifted where now people want to see us every week and they want, they feel like they get to know us and, and they understand who we are. And then that changed the whole ball game, I think, because there was a, there was a cap Mm. and now there's no more cap. And what was her experience with watching YouTube and even her understanding of creators, you know, before being in the videos? Um, she's very disinterested in celebrity. And, uh, so she was never, she would watch our videos for enjoyment but she didn't necessarily want to be in them. And she was a very shy kid. So there were, I never really thought that those two things would connect. And then we did one video that kind of changed the whole direction of the channel, which I didn't realize at the time, but we're moving from New York to LA and I did a video about how she was going to say goodbye to her gymnastics team and move to LA and not know anybody. And it was a slow paced kind of thoughtful video. And we usually do high energy challenges. And when we did that video, um, the response was really positive and really emotional and people really felt invested in her journey and they wanted to know how she adapted to LA and all that. And that kind of opened the door for me to realize, oh, there's something here that's deeper than just entertainment. Mm. What was the impetus for that video? Because, you know, now we'll, we'll start to go back in time mm-hmm. and say that wasn't the type of content you were making. Not at all. So, so why make that video, I guess? Well, I mean... First of all, COVID kind of threw everybody Got off, it. right? So now yeah. you're, you're yeah, in yeah. your home. Okay, so 
I, my, my thing was I lived in New York and every six weeks I'd fly to LA where everybody is and we would shoot six videos with different well-known people and then that's our content. And then suddenly we couldn't go anywhere and we couldn't even leave our home, but we still posted every week. So it was, it was a lot of Zoom content with collaborators, but mm -hmm. sometimes I would introduce my kids into the videos and specifically her um, because it was the only person I had to work with. And realized the more we did it, the more warm, she became more personable and relaxed in front of the camera. And then I realized how much fun it was for us to work together. And that's kind of, that shift started then. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So now when we, when we you know, look at your story as you were coming in here, there's a couple things that are very interesting. You know, one, as I mentioned to you, I looked at your channel and saw that you were uploading YouTube videos 12 years ago. Very different. YouTube yes. was a different place and there was a different purpose to uploading yeah. YouTube. But even in that context of starting to upload 12 years ago, you also made a short recently where you had people guess your age, which was a really fun And short. brutal. Yeah. Yes, yes. Brutal, brutal. at times. Uh, <laughs> But you said something really interesting that you're the oldest creator with uh, now 11 million subscribers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah. That's as far true. as I can tell, wow. unless you can tell me somebody else, I've looked into it. Who knows? I yeah. figure it's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable to be the first to do something. Sure. And mm -hmm. so I'm 55 and the first person to be 55 and get to 10 million subscribers is me. And so it's a young platform. So that makes sense. It yeah. attracts young creators. Um, so I'm kind of proud of it. <laughs> So now when you look back and go back 12 years ago, right. where were you when you uploaded your first YouTube video and what, what was your thought or relationship to YouTube? Why did you upload a video to YouTube? I was uploading videos to Vimeo, not YouTube. And the reason why was because it was easier to transfer it onto a website. And I was doing dance photography and a lot of comments I was getting was, oh, you faked that, that's Photoshopped and it wasn't. So what I was trying to do is prove to people mm. these are not fake by filming that process of taking the photo. And then once I got that process down, we would post it on Vimeo only for people on the website to see. It was never supposed to be for social media because when I started, it, YouTube wasn't a thing really. I mean, in terms yeah. of photography, nor was Instagram. The only uh, platform that I could promote my content was on Facebook. So you're, just to get this straight, your first really creative career and the basis for it was in photography. Yes. And then transitioned specifically to dance photography, correct? Specifically headshots for actors. Okay. Oh, interesting. That's and, where and, I started. And was that your, that was the moneymaker? That was the that career? That was the moneymaker. Yeah. And I, I did that for a while. Got it. And so yeah. that was the career. Mm -hmm. And then filming the process of it was just to kind of showcase. Yeah. I never filmed the process of headshots okay. except for that video. Yeah, 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 and yeah, that video it. served to promote my headshot business. That right, was why right, it was right, there. Right. Yeah. Um, but I started doing headshots uh, because I was a waiter and an actor. So those two things went hand in hand. And I saw a lot of people needed headshots. I didn't know how to take pictures. So I just started taking their headshots. And because I didn't know what I was doing, I couldn't use a studio. I didn't know how to use these lights. So I would just advertise myself as a natural light photographer. And since nobody else was doing that, mm, uh, right. I had this niche that I had built. And then people started hiring me to have this different look. So being now the oldest creator with this type of audience, as you look back, because you were a creator before the, you know, the word creator, right? Mm, You're a yeah, photographer. Yeah. That's, that's a creator, creative. Yeah. When, did you, when did the light bulb go off? you know, wanting to be an actor, uh, being a creator as a photographer, when did the light bulb go off that YouTube was this place where could experience some of these things you wanted to experience? 
I was so clueless about YouTube. I, I did not have a plan. Um, it was simply this. Uh, Sandy Chase is my uh, partner. He's the one that does the shooting and editing for our videos. And we were doing these Vimeo videos. And he said, you know, man, if we could get 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, you could get access to their facilities in Chelsea for free once a month. I believe that's still oh, true. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. And I was like, how are we going to get 10,000? <laughs> we had, I had like 12 people that right. I knew. My son's friends had more uh, subscribers than I had. So around that time, I was also doing videos, uh, I'm sorry, doing photo shoots with Dance Moms Kids for a book. I'd had two photography books. I was working on my third. These kids were popular. Dance Moms had just ended and people mm. wanted more content. So I said, well, if we're going to try it, let's use popular kids. And that's how I learned of collaborations. I grabbed a couple of popular kids and then I came up with this idea for something called a 10 minute photo challenge where I would see how many photos I'd get in 10 minutes, kind of match my manic energy and ran around. And somehow it was just the right place, the right time, the merging of these popular people that no longer were being featured on television. People wanted more of them with the energy of the photo shoot. And it was unique. Uh, it started to take off. So pretty quickly it started taking off. So, so when you say popular kids, are these kids who are in film and television, or is it just from the, the, the reality the show? show? In right? this specific yeah. thing, it was dance moms. They weren't that sure. young. They were teenagers, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Um, but they were dancers. So I was a dance photographer. I had gone from headshots to dance photography. And now I had these very popular dancers posing for me. And I started realizing I need to post every week. So I looked up at like, when's the best time to post on YouTube? And it said Thursdays, nine to 12. Specific to your channel. I, or just, no, it just was in general. Like, on I Google, knew nothing. I Google, Google like, when like, do you post? And they said Thursdays <laughs> 9 to 12 because yeah. then by Saturday it's in the algorithm. Oh, wow. So Interesting. for four yeah. years we posted Thursday at 9 a.m. Oh, every wow. week without, without fail. Amazing. And that was, that was the plan. That's interesting that that experience with the kids of Dance Moms is really the precursor for what ended up happening with TikTok. The first platform mm. that really prioritized dance in a major way. That's true. Right? That like, yeah. Yeah. When, when I was doing it, I mean, dance photography wasn't a thing. I sure. mean, I, you know, there, there wasn't a bunch of dancing going on, uh, but the, their athleticism combined with the adventure of taking the photos. Cause we would take photos in crazy places. We'd sneak into places. We police were called like, it was like that kind of mayhem and that kind of appealed to people. And as I was trying to learn about how to do YouTube and I didn't even know you could monetize on YouTube until I had 200,000 subscribers. And some dude at a Brooklyn party said like, oh man, I'm a creator, what do you do? And I said, oh yeah, this is my YouTube. He said, dude, you must be making so much money. I said, wait, you can, you can monetize that? I had no idea. Amazing. And so, um, so I talked to my son who was at that time 12 and I said, all right, well, <laughs> uh, you know, you, like you're, you watch YouTube, like what, what's this about? And he said, okay, dad, so here's the deal. If if you're going to be popular on YouTube, it's because you found a lane. And if you leave the lane, people won't want to watch you. But if you stay in the lane too long, people aren't going to want to watch you anymore. So you got to expand the lane. Right? And that was like his 12-year-old advice. And now he's 16. And for the last four years, I've followed that advice and tried to slowly expand the lane, which is kind of how we started. Mm -hmm. it, where we started this conversation went from, you know, now a dad on camera yeah. started as a dance photographer. How did he even come to the understanding that you should stay in your lane? But that you couldn't stay in it forever. That's a lot of knowledge to have at 12 years old. Yeah, it is. And I don't know where. Because that's like business advice yeah. that someone would give to, today. Right. And, and if you think about it, it's also somewhat uh, concerning, right? Because basically what we're saying is you're going to die out unless you figure out how to do this thing that people can't do. 
Because the, the example that I, that I saw more often than not is this boom and then straight down. And you, you didn't see a lot of people evolving their content mm -hmm. in a way that kept their audience. Either the audience ages out of the content or you try to change your content too much. You keep doing the same thing over and over and you just slowly see the numbers go But down. did your son tell you anything specifically about monetization? No. No. No, it wasn't about monetization. It was simply just about, I don't know, I don't know how he knew it, but it was about how to... Uh, how to stay relevant. It's probably mm. just a deep understanding of the communities that he was a part of and the creators that he was watching of yeah. why he stopped right. watching. At that time it was ones. Dude Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Logan. Mm. Um, yeah. And they, they, everybody, 12 year old boy, they were all watching Dude Perfect four yeah. years ago yeah. and doing their bottle flip things. Mm -hmm. uh, but where he got the specifics, of, yeah. like you're going to become irrelevant if you don't expand the lane. And we were very much the 10 minute photo challenge channel for a year. Got it. So every week we did that and we started getting these comments like you got to collab with so-and-so. And I was like, I didn't even, what does collab mean? Mm. Is that, and so I would reach out to these people and say, here's my channel. And, and I would fly to Australia or LA or wherever to work with these people. At a certain point, there's only so many creators that can do dance contortion moves that are also well-known. And you start running out pretty quickly of people. And then that was the first time I had to pivot because you can't just keep doing that over and over. So I have a question about your career leading up to this. As a photographer, you said you were also a waiter at the time, an mm -hmm. inspiring actor. Yeah. Was, it sounds like now you're talking about, you know, turning on monetization, flying all over the place. Like, was the monetization immediately significant? Was it a ramp up period? Or what was the difference between your career prior from a financial perspective? Yeah. And then as... I remember we were talking, I guess we'd been in it a year or less. Like, we're making $30,000 a month. Like that's, wow. that's money. Like that's not nothing. That's money. 30,000 a month. Um, but I also had a career that was making more than that. Right. I, that, I was making more than that as a photographer. So, so there was this breaking point or tipping point where I had to decide because what was happening is both careers were suffering. I was doing too mm. much photography to fully be able to embrace YouTube, but I was doing so much YouTube that I was saying no to a lot of clients and I had to choose. Mm. do I go with this unknown YouTube thing or do I stay with what is I've been building for 15 years, which is a photography business. Hey everyone, Colin here. At this moment in the interview, Jordan's 16 year old son, Hudson walked into the room and we asked him to tell us about what it's like having a dad who's a YouTuber and even how he helped his dad with YouTube strategy. But first a quick break. Hi, hey. hi Hudson. So your dad just told us that um, you gave him advice when you were 12 years old yeah. about if he stayed in his lane, he would lose his audience right. uh, for too long, but he had to expand his lane. Can, I might be butchering it. Can you tell oh, yeah, us the yeah, advice yeah. and what you meant by it and how you knew that? Of course. So I think I originally, originally told him um, back, I think, I, yeah, I was like 11, 12, and we were driving in New York City. And I, I said that, and I, because he was doing photography at the time, as you know, um, and then I was, I was worried that photography, especially the way he was doing it, could only reach a certain audience. Um, and, you know, he's, like, he only had a certain, like, 100,000, couple hundred thousand mm -hmm. followers at the time. And I thought that couldn't expand well, even though that was his passion. So I think it's important, like, for I, I thought it was important for him to expand his passion and expand his content without losing, um, without losing the photography aspect, but then still expand into you know mm. things that worked well for other creators. So you know implementing challenges into his videos. So yeah, I 
That, that's advice that I hope we would give yeah. after having been in this career for yeah. 10 years. Yeah. I'm curious, at the age of 12, where did you gain that knowledge or that education? I just watched YouTube. So I, yeah. I like, I, you know, saw people like Mr. Beast or whatever yeah. doing, you know, viral challenges. And I saw kind of what had worked. Sorry. Uh, and then I, I, I had seen that and I thought that he could do something similar, but then also, you know, keep the photography aspect because that's what made him unique and not lose that. But then also, you know, use viral video strategies mm. to then gain a wider audience. And what has your experience been like with your dad being on YouTube? I loved it. I, cause he, he had done photography for, you know, 30 plus years. Uh, he's pretty old, but you know, I, and I had, I, sorry, <laughs> I had, uh, I had, you know, I had like gone with him in, you know, to, you know, watch him do photography. And then, so I'd always been used to him, you know, working with other people, but then seeing him do it on YouTube and be able to we reach like an audience of, millions and millions of people, it's really cool and to like kind of see people, mm. you know, come up to him and appreciate his work. It's, it's really awesome. And I'm proud of him for it, for sure. Does it make you think about having your own career on YouTube or in creating content? Oh yeah. I've made some videos like, you know, and I, I love, and I learn a lot from him and, you know, we talk and, you know, his team and it's, you know, it's, I just try to view it as a learning experience. It's cool. As much as possible. Have, yeah. have there been any times where people have like watched your dad on YouTube and talked to you about it at school or anything like that, that either is like super cool or sometimes uncomfortable. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, when it started, I like so many people, cause I was, you know, unpopular in school. And then so many people would come up to me and want, you know, to take, you know, like, Oh, I want to be your friend, whatever. Hmm. Um, but you know, your dad's going to be there. Right. Things like that. Oh, wow. So that was, you know, I, I'd say that was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, but you know, overall it's, it's good. I'd say, cause you know, I'm able to meet new people and such. That's, I think it's very cool that you had such a major impact on the trajectory of his career in yeah. that one conversation. <laughs> exactly, in the car. exactly. Yeah. That's yeah really I'm, cool. I'm surprised, honestly, because I didn't think it would have that big of an impact. I that like he still talks about it. <laughs> I'm going to ask you now my last question, which is what do we need to do? Oh, boy. <laughs> as, a, as a viewer oh. of our channel, are we staying in our lane for too long? Well, I was kind of, I was explaining when we came over here to my mom, kind of yeah. what you guys do. And I was thinking it's a very specific audience, right? That yeah. watches your content, right? Because more of the general public who isn't into content creation would necessarily mm -hmm. want to watch it. But I think that is what works for you. I like when you did your, um, the, the reviewing YouTubers merch part four, mm, yeah. I really liked what you did because you implemented more of your team. And I saw you implementing a bunch of like the retention tactics that you had talked about. Yeah. So I think almost you like implementing the, you know, retention and, you know, stuff like that, that you talk about and then implementing that into your videos. Um, but then still talking about what you do, cause it would be very right. hard to like totally switch for sure. Uh, and I think, but I think your niche, what you do is expandable. Uh, and I think you're able to reach more people. And as I, I, I view it more as like, as the niche is expanding, as the creator community is expanding, your channel will too. That's kind of the, what I'd, I'd say. Hudson Matter, future CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Future CEO of a creator company well, right you, here. Guys. That was I'm awesome. Thanks. You, thank you so thank much. You. Thanks yeah, for thank sitting down. Awesome. Thanks for answering course, those questions. Thank Appreciate you for everything. It. What a unique experience to have, like to have your son pop in for a second. Yeah. My worst nightmare is following him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back to you know some of the financial side of this, you were just mentioning you're making $30,000 a month on YouTube. Yeah. Was that all from AdSense? Was that immediate, like, 
What was the first check like? Just talk me through that experience of making money on YouTube. From what I can recall, it was, you know, hundreds to thousands. Um, and it, it, it started feeling real when it got to 10,000 because you, yeah. first of all, you're building a catalog. And then second of all, you're, it feels so temporary. Every video you feel like, okay, so they watch that one, but they're right. not going to keep watching. And then they keep right, watching right. and they keep yeah. watching. And so the first thing is you start thinking of this is this could really go. And then you hit your first dip, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like now you realize the first of many times that the audience is saying you've narrowed your lane too much. We saw this already. Uh, so you got to, you got to try new things. Mm. Um, but for the, for the money, it was all AdSense. We didn't, the, we, the first brand deal we did was for Audible. Mm. That was about six months in, uh, up to that time it was all AdSense. That's amazing. I feel like AdSense is advertising made easy because mm -hmm. once you start working with brand partners, uh, there are a lot more intricacies that you have to start thinking about yes. when, mm -hmm. what the content even is, when it comes out if the brand's going to like it, what's in the contract, what you have to say, what you, yeah. have, to what say. you have to say, also man. the client relations, Yeah, you know, but yeah, what you have to say is like, I mean, know. what I love about you guys is that you seem to have ongoing relationships with brands mm -hmm. and that you really believe in the brands and the brands are relevant to your audience where for a lot of creators and we're no exception, they want eyes, but they don't, they don't, sure. it, mm -hmm. it's not relevant to us. So you have to find a creative way to interrupt your entire video right. to say something yeah. that you may or may not even really fully believe in. And that, that's the problem with brand deals, I think. Yeah, I think, I think that also is a, a really significant part of that problem is when you can tell that the brand doesn't watch your videos going into a conversation with you. Exactly. So they have no context of what would make it natural. Or They're even that like, the brands don't ha create content at all. Right, right. Forget sure. your own stuff, just that they don't have a sense of the flow, yeah. that, there's a that you have to do the certain pitch within 90 seconds. Yeah. All, all of that stuff that's, that you have to say this, it has to go on for 60 seconds. Yeah. All of that stuff is limiting in terms of the, the final thing they want True. is conversion. Yeah. Makes it harder if you can't do it mm -hmm. your own way. So I think on that note of, you know, the catalog building and like the compound interest of a catalog, I, I would call it. Like it's so mm -hmm. fascinating that that does happen, especially if you're on the same subject matter. Yeah. If someone finds you and likes this video of dance photography, they find their way through your catalog and they yeah. can watch 10 videos. And as yeah. you continue building that catalog, um, now that almost goes against the concept of expanding your lane. Because if you make a video that's totally different, but your catalog is based in you know, photography, right. how did you go about implementing that advice of, of expanding your lane? Right, well the first thing, our, our catalog is really evergreen. And yeah. a lot of the reason is because we don't jump on trends uh, mm. too much. And then also we're always using different collaborators. So everybody's up and down hot and cold and we've probably worked with them. So, mm -hmm. so there's always interest in some aspect of our catalog, right? So that's the first thing. Secondly, it went from very specific niche 10 minute photo challenge to expanding it to other kinds of photography challenges, uh, which tended to be m less well-known people, but more extreme. So they were flipping off bridges into the water mm -hmm. or climbing up light poles and stuff like that. us charging into grocery stores and getting kicked out. Uh, anything that was um, extreme and exciting is, that was the next thing. And then TikTok came along. And TikTok was awesome because I met Charlie D'Amelio. And mm -hmm. so she mm -hmm. then took our, there were certain people that kind of took our channel. To the, the first person was Sophie Dossi, incredible contortionist, America's Got Talent. She took our channel here. And then 
uh, Abby Lee Miller took it here because she was from Dance Moms, and then Charlie took it here. So we kept meeting like one collaborator a year. We would do half a dozen videos with that person, and the channel would just explode with new interest. And when High Pass was just, just exploding, we were working with Charlie regularly. What's the pitch to a Charlie D'Amelio? Because it could seem so unattainable oh, to collaborate with a creator. Like yeah. It is the, yeah. so it's the, the top of say, the top. Yeah. Anytime you reach out to a, a, a creator, you're going to get ghosted. So right off the bat, people I work with ghost me, and you just keep coming back, yeah. and, and you hear ghosting not as an insult, but as, I don't really like that idea, let's try something else. And then you give them a new idea until, and usually the more specific you can be, with your idea, the more likely they are. Here's the exact idea, here's how much time I need, here's the views I think it'll get, and here's how, why it'll help you. Mm. With Charlie, I was lucky, because she was actually a fan of me. She, she was just popping off when I met her, and she had my books and all that, and she was a dancer. So that was an easy intro. Yeah, somebody else. Because she's in your us. niche. Yeah, she's, she's, she's in part our, of the community. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it was honestly, it was, it was just at the moment because we got to Grand Central and, and people were recognizing. Or that was the first video. I said, "So, like, how long has this been happening that you just <laughs> recognized?" In and she said, "A week." Oh my wow. god, a week! Wow. Right? And then I worked with her two months later in Santa Monica, and it was already mayhem. It was her wow. with Addison with all the hype house people. Got it. And it was screaming people running. I heard yeah. Charlie. Like, wow. So I saw that explosion. And uh, when I talked to her about that, what had happened in the last couple of months, she, she, just, like, she just seemed like it was a whirlwind of craziness. But she said one really interesting thing about how it took off for her, which was all about engagement. When she was just building an audience on TikTok, she was very conscious of engaging with her audience. And, and then they felt invested in her emotionally. So then when she got bigger and she got a lot of hate, she said um, she didn't mind the hate because it created engagement because the people that had been with her from the beginning were now fiercely defending her. So there were these long, yeah. you know, like yeah. lots of comments about that. And then that blew her up more because there was more engagement. So TikTok pushed her more. And that's kind of how it started. It started, and it was, an, it was something that I learned and tried to start implementing my own work, which was this building a community so that they're invested in who you are rather than just looking for entertainment. So, so more active rather than passive viewers. Mm. Which is really the fundamental difference between traditional entertainment and digital. Yeah. The fact yeah. that there is a uh, more of a tangible connection there with the person on the other end. Yeah. What was, as your channel started getting more and more successful, you started collaborating and you know, getting to experience this rise. Mm -hmm. uh, was that, does that feel like it was fulfilling the desire you had uh, back pre-photography to act? Or yes, <laughs> actually, yes. Because the thing that was ironic about it was as an actor, I was best when I was giving an extreme character that wasn't like me. Mm -hmm. And then on camera, I'm being myself, but a, a slightly more enthusiastic version of me. So it all came from a real place. I'm, I'm excited when I, get, when I shoot. And so this was just more so because there were stakes mm. that were higher. Uh, but I think that the early interest in acting and the comfort of being in front of a camera helped. Got it. Yeah, I find that to be really interesting. If, you know, today, if a young, you know, young person who wants to act, like the next crop of actors likely will all emerge from social media. Yeah. And I just wonder how the inverse works where you start as like a realistic maybe or a semi-realistic portrayal of yourself into, you know, acting. And we're seeing it right now with Addison, like you mentioned, yeah. she's acting now. She's you acting. Know? Like, it's just that 
I, I went to acting school yeah. in New York. I, I was one of those guys that I would never take a soap opera. Like right, never. Right, right. And then I got my first soap opera. I was like, I got a yeah, soap yeah, opera. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, so yeah. there's, yeah. The, I, I was that self-serious actor. I, I photographed for 20 years, serious actors. And they kind of have a disdain for social media. Of course. You know, yeah. Because, because it's, it's, oh, that was so easy. She just did a dance. But meanwhile, I honed my craft. Right. Not recognizing that social media is a craft. It's a craft. And, yeah. and, um, and so I, I, I don't know. I think that if I'm an agent looking for people, I'm going to look towards social media before I'm going to look at an acting school. Mm. Has this all felt like slow growth or has it felt explo like fast and explosive to you? It felt both at the same time. Initially, it felt explosive because I, uh, we, we were just making videos and posting them and seeing this X amount of numbers, right? And then we decided to go to Australia to do a collaboration. We got off the plane and a bus pulled up of, of uh, students and they started freaking out and banging the windows and like running out and all coming over to me. And that was my first experience with having been recognized mm -hmm. from YouTube. And so that felt that this is a suddenly new world. Yeah. Um, but then it felt slow and steady where we would have dips and then peaks and dips. And every time there was a dip, the way I, I looked at it is like, we need to expand that lane again somehow. And, and it's scary because you don't really know what that, what that means. How, expand it how? <laughs> this is, this yeah. is what we do. We do a 10-minute challenge. What else can we do? Mm. Um, and so it, it started, it was kind of a slow, steady rise like this. If you look at our graph, and then it's been like this since uh, the introduction of my daughter, primarily. Right. Um, we had one of those actually with Hudson. Early on, we were using you for, um, for videos. And then his interest in it being in my video, without speaking for you, his interest in being my videos regularly was not as uh, that great. Like he Got wanted it. to do his own thing. Um, so, but once we introduced Salish, the, it just kind of like straight up. And that was... Last fall, I think. So that's been, I mean, I, I was looking, I mean, you, you posted a video two weeks ago that has 10 million views. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the, crazy. We're to talking me. about like right. extremely high viewership yes. on and, your content now. And if you, I, I just remember that, I remember our first 3 million viewed video in a week. And that was three years ago. And we were like, wow, mm. wow, yeah. 3 million people in a week. That's crazy. And I, that's, I, that would be wow for me right yeah. now, by the way. And, yeah. I, and, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. should be wow for everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm I mean, not, I guess that's yeah. wow for television. That is like, that's a wow, that's number. A wow number for, right. for it's a wow traditional number. mainstream entertainment. Yeah. And now it's a 10 out of 10, yeah. 3 million in a week. So, so that's, and, and we always are saying, you know, who knows, man, this could be boom. And then back this way, right. you just got to stay on, you know, try to keep learning from every video. How do you go about having that conversation uh, about, and maybe it's a conversation with yourself about how to or uh, whether you should put your kids on YouTube? Mm, it's a great question. Yeah, I feel like that's something that, you know, so many kids' channels are massive. The majority of YouTube viewership, I feel like, is, is children. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like it's a great responsibility. And, I, yeah. you know, and I would imagine it's, it's something that you think a lot about. I, I do. Yeah, it's a lot. Because and, and I've worked with not just other family channels, but also dancers that were had yep. dance moms. And it's it's hard when the parent gets invested in the kid for their own livelihood. That's just that's just hard. Yeah. And I think our big advantage in that is we we're fine without her. And she knows that like we we have seen growth, but our channel was doing great. And mm. so she has full control over her own decisions. Like, well, I'll say to her. 
hey, this person wants to do a video. Here's the idea. Do you want to do it? And she'll say yes or no. And if she wants to, we go and shoot it. We try to keep it fun and not put any sort of pressure on her thinking that she has to carry the channel or carry the finances yeah. of the family. <laughs> right. I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. when it starts getting... That's a big responsibility, yeah. Unnecessary, <laughs> like just unbelievable stress on children if they feel like they're responsible for the parents' well-being emotionally or financially. Yeah, I feel like to be a creator of of your age with your success is singular. Like you are the only one. Right. Uh, and, you know, that's... Um, I wonder... Is it different for you to experience this type of success at your age? Do you imagine it to be very different than if you were twenty? Like, how do you think? Well, I work with a lot the of way you respond to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it is different. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, I recognize how unusual it is, success at all, not mm. just for me. Mm. How how yeah. how rare this is. I think if you are eighteen, you pop off suddenly. It kind of almost feels like, yeah, man, of course. And I think there might be less gratitude and humility. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I was doing well, but it wasn't recognized in the streets or anything. So it's the, the, the idea that, this, that there's always an opportunity to make a change that can, that can change your life is, for me, it's, it's humbling. Um, and the, the, the other thing is I, I look at, without getting, I don't want to get preachy, right? But, you know, there is a certain responsibility that you kind of somewhat feel if, if you create content that people are seeing, especially if those people are teenagers, mm -hmm. you know, kids, whatever. And for me, it's kind of modeling behavior, right? We don't, we try to do some videos that are about topics that, that are meaningful, but for the most part, it's about modeling parenting behavior and modeling uh, how to talk to each other. And for example, like we don't, I would never give my daughter some big thing in a video or, or try to like, right. you know, like show a big, big house or anything. I mean, it all should, should just be like, anybody can do this if you love it rather than flexing and saying, you know, we've made it to here because I noticed early on in YouTube, it seemed like somebody would pop off for doing pranks and all their content would become a, how wealthy and rich and popular they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now that's, and then they're suddenly unrelatable. And so I, th I think the idea of, I think that's what Charlie had in spades. It's like this relatable kid who's like goes to high school and lives in Connecticut and in the suburbs and suddenly she's popular. So everybody else felt like they had an opportunity for that too. kind of try to model that for the younger generation. Do you feel like there've been any hiccups or adverse effects of having your daughter on the channel or, or like kind of pivoting the content into what it currently is today? There were a lot of comments about she's great, but where are the photo challenges? So yeah, there's, so, right. so there's that there's the old guard followers yeah. who really missed that. And so we started a second channel for photography challenges oh, to oh, address cool. that. So, yeah. and that's great for me because I love taking photos, but yeah. there was, there was just a, there was a, a ceiling. You can only do a certain amount of photo challenges and then there's no more challenges to be done. Whereas if it's about a relationship, they're endless. Um, then there also, of course, uh, are, are probably going to be people who will have negative things to say so far that hasn't happened. The conversation, I talked to a lot of family channels about this. Like, how do you talk to your kids about this? How do you prepare them for inevitably some negativity that's going to come their way? And so that's a process. And also yeah. my biggest concern actually is, is, is what if she just like falls in love with it? And then it just goes, boom. Because like, mm. I can handle that. 
if our channel ends, I'm like, man, I had, that was a good run. I've got my photography. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. She's like 12. Right. And if suddenly like people are like, yeah, I don't, I, eh, that, that would, yeah. so I always worry. Sure. So I don't want to make it about her, you know, and, and, and have her carry the load so much as yeah. our relationship and what she represents on a larger scale. That's a really interesting point around like, does she have a relationship with the performance of the videos? Cause I would say even for, for me as a 32 year old man, I at a one out of 10 and a 10 out of 10, I have a different emotional response to those and it's significant, mm -hmm. right? That, I've, yeah. I've had to work on that emotional sure, response. As have I. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it is, there was a time in my life where a 10 out of 10 felt like I was getting punched in the stomach uh -huh. and I would go through thoughts in my head of, I need to put together my resume. I need to go, you know, apply for jobs. Right. It's all over, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and at 12 years old, I, I imagine that potentially could have right. some impact of like, well, this one did 3 million, this one did 10 million. Now we're doing a million, like, you know. She would be an interesting one to talk to uh, about that. Sure. She, she seems to be d not engaged in it. Okay. I mean, it's, it's interesting. We'll work with very well-known people. She doesn't seem to care. I mean, she just seems to enjoy shooting the videos. She, she knows the numbers. She jokes all the time that I'm no longer relevant on my own channel, right? That's a joke, right. <laughs> but she doesn't literally feel like she has the burden to sure. carry it. And she's not really involved in the post-production process. She doesn't even know if we're posting yeah. or what we're posting. So fortunately so far, yeah. she seems to just be there for the fun of it yeah. and not really invested emotionally in the success of it. Right. First of all, I want to acknowledge the perspective you just shared about the um, the kind of peace with if this all ended tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that uh, the like young younger creators and even us, I've had to learn that, and that actually gives you a huge platform of confidence yeah. to build on, and and you lose a sense of that fear, right? Of yes, of well, if I upload this video and it's out of our lane, is it all over? Or is it 10 right. out of 10 mean it's all right. over? You know, and you start to lose some of that and say, that then gives you the platform to experiment yes. when you lose that fear. But that fear is extremely present in the creator space. And I see it a lot because now that I've been in this space for almost five years, I've worked with a lot of uh, top creators who are no longer top creators. Sure. And, and I can see their content they're doing now is same stuff they were doing four years ago. And it's because even as the mm -hmm. interest wanes, you're so scared. Now it, it's one of the best pieces of advice that I got was if you're going to make changes or experiment, do it when you're on top, not when you're going down, because when you're going down, it's like you're desperate. And uh, you, wow. and you know, mm -hmm. when you're on top, you have, you have the luxury sure. to try something that doesn't work. You know, you go back to it. And Patty Galloway told me, do whatever you want, just follow it up with a banger. <laughs> right? So if you're yeah, going to try yeah, something yeah, crazy, yeah. have a good one in your back pocket for the next week. That's a really good advice. Yeah. That's that, again, that's like, I think giving the playbook on how to experiment is really important. I think that's the first time I've ever heard advice, tangible advice on how do you experiment? And it was great. Just advice. make and sure we, you have, and we've really tried good it. One. And I have yeah. to tell you as few of those experiments have become a whole new avenue. We did yeah. something my daughter gets braces. Like who cares if my right. daughter gets braces? And that was because we knew we had a good one in our pocket for the next week. And then that became the one out of 10, mm -hmm. the braces. Mm -hmm. And it has stayed there. And then that opened up a lane like, okay, so it's these small personal moments that the audience is more interested in than crazy strength or photo challenges. So it, it changed the direction of the channel just because we we're willing to take that chance. I would imagine that people listening to that, especially around like your daughter getting braces would have a question around the line between uh, living like real life moments yes. 
and, and filming them. And the way, and that's a great question. And yeah. the way I handle that is I don't make them real life moments. We don't vlog. So right. it's in that case, it's a challenge. So what we did is we said, she's going to get braces before she does it. She, she has to, she has a scavenger hunt. If she gets there in 30 minutes, she gets all this candy. She gets to eat this. She won't get to eat in a year. Go. Mm. Right. So it's nothing to do with, Hey, how are you feeling about getting your braces? Yeah. All that. And then it's just like any other video, a challenge video. Yeah. But at the end you get to see her with her new braces. I think that's smart to separate like life from the video as the product. Because you know? what happens is I think the other way, and I've seen it is every great moment you're trying to pick up your camera, right? If you're a vlogger, and then suddenly you're not living moments, you're yeah. filming them. Like this is, I, I, should, be, I should be filming this. I right? mean, I think that, that was an era on YouTube, right? Yeah. I think back to Roman Atwood and the kind of like the amount that he was filming. Uh, and I, I remember thinking about that a lot with his family of, I don't know what it would be like to be a part of this family. And to even for me as a young kid, maybe have the anxiety of, should I do this or should I wait till the camera's on to do this thing? Right. Uh, so I think like, I think that separation in the family genre is really important. Also, I, I'm not in it, so I right. can't speak, but you know, from what and it I, I, like, yeah. I, This is only recent that I would consider us a family channel. I think sure. it's a specific kind of family channel. I mean, because first of all, my wife isn't in the videos. We're not talking yeah. about our relationships. Sure. It's just me and Salish for the most part. And it, it's, I just think that once you start putting pressure on your kids to live their life in a way that's different from they, how they normally would because you need to capture it on camera, is when you start opening up a lot of problems now and also potentially later. Mm. So we have a pretty clear distinction between when we're working together and when we're hanging out. And we like the energy to be the same, so she and I like to go out and just like go to Target and tool around. And so in our videos, there might be a challenge in Target because that's familiar to us, but we would never vlog just going to Target. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that distinction so far has worked. How, how does she engage with you know the two of you going to target, but then people recognizing you there. Is well, they're recognizing a, yeah. her as much as me now. Right. Yeah. So, and, and once again, she's, I just, she just doesn't seem like that interested in celebrity or anything. So she's just nice about it. Mm. And it's, it's been now that she's 12. So she was like eight when we started. And so she's been used to us being in certain places and people coming up and saying, hi, Yeah. that's familiar to her. Now it's happening to her as much as it is to me, whether or not she's with me. Um, but I, she's, she appreciates it. Hmm. And do you think as she goes through, I don't is she in school? Yeah. She goes to school. As she goes through school, is, that, is there an opportunity for bullying or anything as like she's on YouTube and at school? That's what I hear yeah. from other family Got creators. It. And these are all things that we're very aware of. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if, if that means she doesn't want to do them anymore because she, you know, yeah. then great. Don't yeah. do it. It's your call. She loves gymnastics. She has a lot of things she can do with her life, but right now she's enjoying the cool. videos. So you mentioned that uh, growth was your biggest problem right now. What are you trying to grow to? Mm. I, I think it's interesting that you, you know, your initial uh, reason for taking the video was to prove that the photos weren't fake. Right. And yeah. that is not to build a media company. Exactly. Right? That's like something very exactly. internal about your yeah. art yeah. that you want to get across. Yeah. So, now, having the knowledge that you have about creators and the creator right. economy at large, I'm sure you've followed some other creators mm -hmm. and what they've done. Yep. What is your vision for where you want this to go? Well, I, I love directing. I mean, uh, Dar Man has, has <laughs> had me over to direct his family videos. Uh, so had the Anasala family. Like, I love being behind the camera and directing. Uh, so some sort of, you know, production company mm -hmm. uh, that creates content 
uh, and I'm there overseeing it and directing it, not necessarily need to be in the videos, mm. would probably be my first uh, way to go. And also, I, I could see myself being um, somebody that kind of helps out other channels and advises them because, yeah. you know, you learn a lot over time. So those things. I think the first thing is the production company, just to, to mm -hmm. scale it bigger without needing it to be on, the sh on my shoulders and on my daughter's shoulders. Have you developed a real passion for digital creators specifically, especially having started out with more traditional aspirations? You, you mean? Like wanting to be an actor. Oh, okay. But now spending I, so much time I, and finding yes, success on YouTube. Yes, and, it's, and more so now than when I started. Right? We're, as we're recording this, we're on uh, episode two of Ryan's journey across the country, right? Like yeah. he's, that's a new form of content. When I started, it was like, what's up guys, here we are, right? And now it's, I'm gonna do this thing. I have no doubt it's 100% for real and authentic. And he's gonna try and get across the country and he's gonna post one every day is what it looks like, right? Mm -hmm. So the change in that content and Airx content, what Jimmy has done to kind yeah. of inspire people to like think bigger and, and understand the algorithm, understand their own analytics. Like it makes it like it's filmmaking now, it's up there with, you see there's so much content on Netflix and movies we talk about all the time. There's so much to absorb. But YouTube also is a place where people are creating real content that's exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with a lot of creators who throw it away. It's like, why you, we shoot 10 hours, eight hours for a video. They'll shoot 30 minutes. Not as much anymore. Yeah. You, you can't get away with that as much anymore. Right. The bar has been raised. And so yes. that's exciting because I'm excited to see who, you know, Matthew Beam has obviously yeah. been inspired by Ryan Eric. You're seeing this whole generation of young creators are coming in. They're inspired by this do it for real. Can't tell you how many times I've shown up at, for a, a collab and there's fake money sitting there. And we all know that the prize is not going to be real. And that's just not the mm -hmm. way things are anymore. I don't think that's rewarded by the viewers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Over the past couple of years, like you were talking about this explosive growth. Can you put some numbers around that from a viewership perspective? Like, yeah, like the, the yeah, views per yeah, month. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, shout out to Patty Galloway. Uh, Do you work with him as a consultant? Yes. Amazing. And he, he has no space for new clients. I, I, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. I, I, I was yeah. an old and new client. It, it was hard for me to get in for a get second time. In? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, when we worked with him last year, so maybe a year mm -hmm. ago, I remember specifically he said, 60 million views a month is great. I think we can get you to 100. That was a year ago. So this month we're at 250. Wow. So we went from 60 to 250 million views in a year. And, and what do you think went into that? It was, the, the, it was two things only. Because our production time didn't change. It was just two things. One um, was the emotional uh, connection between the audience and say Alicia and me. So that was number one. And number two was a deep understanding of the algorithm. Mm. And Rebecca Zamalo said to me first, but I'm sure people said to her, which is when you replace the word algorithm with audience. So the algorithm is not this beast that you're supposed to, that just screws you. It's the audience telling you how they'd like you to shift your content or what they're interested in. And then you take that and you don't have to follow it to the letter. You can evolve your content. But we, he gave us really specific. So for any creators out there who have a title sequence, get rid of it. If you're saying, hey guys, you've already lost half your audience, <laughs> right? So he was like, yeah, get sure. to the point within the first 10 seconds, start that challenge if you've got one. Yeah. And he gave us a lot of notes that honed the content and made it much more exciting to watch. And we've seen our retention go up. So I think we were in the low to mid 50s then, and now we'll be in the mid 60s. 
Wow. Can't reach Jimmy 70 though. No. No, you Dude, can't. is yeah. that real? Yeah, like yeah, is yeah. that like the first hour? Or I, I don't know if he. You, I don't know if he reaches that every time. Like, I think he's that? saying like no, that's. I think he's saying like that's success. Yeah, that's like that's what it. Like that would be. No, perfect. I think he literally said to you, if you're not reaching seventy, yeah. you're doing something you're wrong. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, but, wow. but you know what? The mistake there is because the time frame, like he, he'll be very honest about the fact that if the video has been out for 30 days, it's a different retention. Right? That's true. Yeah. So like on okay, day good. 30, it's different. It's not, right. it's not holding yeah. 70. Right. I think it's, it, you know, that talking about like fire for that. The first day, the first day. First yeah. day. Yeah. I, again, I, I don't know if he meant the first day or two days or a week, but, but I know that when we had conversations with him about the first or like months later, it was not holding. Yeah. But 70. it's also a good, it's a great metric because you can yeah. always find, you can always fine tune it. Yeah. And get it, get it closer and closer. But sure. my concern is, is that at a certain point you're driven by mathematics yeah, more than course. by emotion. And you're suddenly creating content where we've had this conversation a lot in editing. This is a really nice moment. It's slow. Is it click away? But it's so, but it, it develops the mm, relationship. Mm. Yeah. But it's a click away and that it's back and forth. And sometimes you include it and sometimes you don't. I was yeah. going to ask you about that when it came to the ideas, even like coming up with an idea. How much is it driven by, ooh, that would work versus, ooh, I want to make that? Or are those the same thing? No, it's actually, those are actually different. Yeah. More often than not, it's, ooh, that would work. I know. I, yeah, I, right? I, and then, I, okay, what do I want to do about that idea that can make it something special? Yeah. One of our rules of thumb is often do what other people are doing. If there's a trend out there that works, hot versus cold, do it. Just do it better. Mm. Make it more dynamic, more interesting, yeah. more emotional than other people are doing. So you hop on that recommended wave, but then when they see your content is different and unique. Do, do you feel when you first started with like photography, your relationship with creativity, how has like, I, th I'm asking you this question because I've thought about this a lot mm -hmm. in my own relationship with video making, creativity, all the above, as YouTube has become much more of our business. Because there was a long period of time with this Colin and Samir channel where we were uploading to this channel and it brought us zero dollars. And mm -hmm. we were a production company or like a boutique freelance group, right. Colin and Samir, that you would hire to do production. And we knew so little about the algorithm that the videos we were making were solely just videos we wanted yeah, to make that we sure. thought were yeah. fun and interesting. Sure. And we didn't cool. even know what worked at that time. Yeah. So now that we have a better sense and we are honing every week of, ooh, that worked, that didn't yeah. work, how much that clouds, or not clouds, but that is the primary thing that's top of mind, not what do I want to make? Right. First of all, your content shows it just to you guys. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember when I saw the interview with Jimmy, you have, what, it's like 5 million views on that by now? 11 million. Whoa. 11 million people have watched that interview. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. But it, there's two, right? You released the frill one, but you yeah. also yeah. released a cut down. That's and right. the cut down felt very much like algorithm driven yes. the way you did that. That's and, right. and I, I remember noticing that they just, something just switched right there yeah. with that edit. So that this is part of the That's what spending 72 hours with Jimmy will do I'm to you. Sure it yeah. changed yeah. you. Yeah. It was yeah. so yeah. clear yeah. that it was, yeah. um, and uh, I think the idea of creativity and my grandmother was an artist and she used to rail against Andy Warhol mm. because he was very much about selling his art. Yeah. And, she's, and she, was, she was a well-known artist who had Jackson Pollock called her, they were best friends. And she said they would just paint and they didn't care if anybody bought it. Uh, and Andy Warhol would paint to be bought. So I've always been the more shoot to be bought person. My concept always came from, I love this idea. 
like dancers recreating everyday life. That's really cool. Has anybody done it? No. Would anybody be interested? Yes. Okay, I'll do it. If I didn't think people would be interested, I never would have done it. Became yeah. a best-selling book. Yeah. Because I thought from the beginning, I was always thinking in titles. So YouTube is kind of perfect for me mm -hmm. that way. So when you ask the question about ideas, for me, it starts with the title. What is the title? And then is that title going to resonate? And can we tell a story with it? And is it going to be exciting to make? It's really interesting. Yeah, that, that's, I'm not saying one is uh, better than the no, other, right? It's, it's just the realities of, right. of, our, and also, of our business. Right, and also, right, I mean, I, uh, uh, Humans of New York, Brandon Stanton. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had him on. No. He's so fascinating, you should try and get him on. Mm. Um, and he's like, he would loathe everything I'm saying right now because for sure. him, it's all about the art. It's just about the art. You don't pay attention to the reaction. Yeah. You post and ghost. Casey says the same thing. It's just about the art. And right. they're, they're, they're innovators. So sure. there's, room for, there's room for everybody. There's room yeah, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. On that note of room for everybody, I'm curious your perspective on this, on the industry. You've been, again, as we mentioned, of course it was a different time and you were doing it for different reasons, but you uploaded a YouTube video 12 years ago. Yeah. How has this experience of the creator economy boom, as I'll call it, been for you? And when you look forward, how do you think this will play out? It's, it just feels, it just feels like we're at the beginning of something really exciting, yeah. like a beginning of radio or television or something. Sure. I mean, I, I really, people come up to me and say, I saw you on TV because they're watching YouTube on their television. Mm. It's, yeah. we are the new generation of, of like, of movie stars, not me personally, but the, but, but the, us, the, but the, us. Yeah. <laughs> we are the movie stars. Yeah. <laughs> Billboard ask. So, that that the the fact that we that you don't need to go through the agent yeah. and find you know or 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 if you're a musician you don't need a label you just need to have talent and tenacity it's a cliche but it's absolutely true that it's even the playing field social media has made given everybody an equal opportunity it's just what you choose to do with that opportunity yeah and that's the thing that excites me more than anything about this like I'm 55. Like I could be your dad, literally I could yeah. be your dad, Samir. Yeah, yeah. You're way better looking. I probably couldn't be <laughs> up there pale, but just in terms of age, I could be your dad. Right. And you're sitting here interviewing me about being a, a creator. Yeah. It's crazy. You would yeah. think I'm towards retirement age. I should be golfing, you know? So anybody can do it if you have the passion. Yeah, and, and someone 20 years younger, you know, is also doing it. Or, yeah. you know, 15 years younger than us is also right. doing it successfully. And so- also, we may still be doing it when we're 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I time will imagine you wouldn't. I time mean, will tell, yeah. like, how long right. this career and these types of careers right. can be, you know? Yeah. But if you expand that lane. If you expand the lane. Then you'll be how, doing it when you're 55. How do you think, um, now I'll ask you with your experience, and I think, like, you know, for us, this is a, there's a moment in time where we're going through right now of trying to self-evaluate and saying, you know, we, we're happy with what we're doing. We enjoy it. Um, which is for me the most important. If we didn't like this, I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I could not. Um, but what does expanding our lane mean when we're actually, our goal is to target a niche audience? Is it just kind of what, you know, your son said of like, as that continues to expand, as the niche expands, we will expand. Yeah. And of course there's things we can do to, to expand currently. We're not hitting everyone that we could. Right. I mean, I, I think that there's, you're, you're real inside baseball. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't know enough to understand what you're talking about. So yeah. one way would be, would you want to expand it for them? Mm. Right. 
But for me as a viewer, yeah. what, what, what I would love to see more of is on location stuff. So yeah. I think that, you know, I, I, we, we we're just, I don't know if you can say this, but we were just having dinner with Eric, you and I, and <laughs> I'm fascinated to see what his shoots are like, how much time does yeah, he put into yeah, it. Yeah. I think you guys have access to everybody and the idea that you could show us that behind the scenes process, you would almost become like the behind the scenes channel yeah. that none of these yeah. people have time to make. That would be really exciting because I think that would bring in a new audience too. You got behind be the scenes really with Jimmy yeah. um, on uh, the Charlie and Chocolate Factory. If you're there and you're from your end yeah. documenting that yeah. in a way that becomes a mini documentary, um, you're going to pull his audience. You're going to ride his recommended and probably expand significantly as a result. Yeah, yeah. I, I love think that. That's where our passion lies too in, in documentary. Right. Yeah. Really like I mean, having I, access to capture things where right. you say to yourself, I can't believe we caught that on camera. Yeah. You know, really I, authentic, yeah. interesting I think you moments. guys are in the position to make mm. like the first legitimate YouTube documentary. I mean, oh, Casey has that. one coming out, but it's yeah. really specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But sure. I mean, imagine with your reach that you can get on any set and what that would look like, not just individually for videos, but as an, as an overall piece, like, yeah. the, you know, YouTube 2022, what is, what did it look like? And, mm. and, Building, you know, saving it for posterity and interviewing everybody and showing all these different. You could do. Sorry, and now I'm on. A, yeah, I'm no, 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 keep going. Keep going. Now I'm excited because yeah, now, now excited. you guys could do yeah. like, what is it like? What is this person's vision and process like in comparison to this person's process? Yeah, and and you can compare them. You can bring them together. You can create collaborations mm. between people. Like I think you guys are just like just at the beginning of understanding and probably all this stuff that you do now interviews every day, all day long. Yeah. Probably limits how much time you have to do that. But yeah. if you took a month and said, we're not going to upload on our podcast, we're yeah. going to do a month and build a documentary. Wow. Everybody watch that. Well, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. You're like, yeah, a, motivation. Go You're like a coach. Yeah. 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 That got me going. Yeah. Documentary. But, but I think that's, you're you're 100% right in conversations we're having internally right now about how do we evolve. And I think it's actually, um, you know, what, what we're working on is actually changing our pacing in terms of how much we're uploading to YouTube and recognizing that what we're doing is, is a podcast. There's ways to distribute this and take time for what, what happens yeah. on the YouTube channel compared to what happens, you mm -hmm. know, where I, you can yeah, listen. To I think these. you guys are at the moment of a bigger project would yeah. be my guess. I, and, I can feel it yeah, internally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think you've gotten to the point where I don't know that you need to keep going in this direction. Like you, you don't, I'm not saying you should sure. stop what you do. I'm saying sure. you're there. Yeah. You, everybody you work with is at the top. Yeah. Right. And so Michelle can bring you out for FBI training for a week, yeah. Yeah. right? And then, and you also have a really unique perspective on the creator economy and the industry and where it's gone and where it's and where it's going, and that's that's interesting beyond just the creators. So yeah. Rowan, my assistant, uh, he he's in college, and he, he tells tells me that most people in college don't have an understanding specifically of the creator economy and right. the opportunities beyond being in front of the camera that yeah. exist yeah. here. And we've talked about this, we've like it's hard that, to yeah. find people to do any number of jobs, right? Agreed. Because people don't know yeah, that these that job jobs is. are available. Mm. Yeah. Um, you guys could serve the general public. This is real. The creator economy is happening right now. It's epic and it's more than just flexing. It's real creative people who are really creating art and they yeah. care in their passion. They actually take a penny and go across the country. And I think that's freaking sure. awesome. I think that I think you're absolutely right, but I think the ingredient that you have to work through is fear. You know, this fear of like you have to get to a point where you can afford not uploading. 
But the algorithm yeah. is there. Yeah. Right? Isn't mm -hmm. it? And your mm -hmm. audience is there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you don't upload for a month, I'm going to watch your next video. I'm going to be more interested. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, what can we expect from you as we look to the, the, the rest of this year and, and the future? We're trying different things. We're trying scripted content. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't want to yeah. rip yeah, yeah. off Darman. You know, yeah. everybody yeah. does that. Yeah. They, they, oh, we're having a slow week. Let's do a Darman thumbnail. I don't yeah. have any interest in that, but I'd like to try my hand at directing and this production company idea. And um, really what we're trying to do is just deepen the relationship with the audience, understand the content better, and build out the second channel. Well, we can't wait to see what happens at 65. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Hopefully, less yeah, than yeah. 10 years away. <laughs> 10 years away. Wow. Probably 10 more million subscribers, <laughs> but um, really refreshing take on YouTube and, and expanding your lane. Yeah. And, um, you know, I really appreciate it. So thanks Thank so much for coming. Thanks for yeah. This has been an honor. That was I'm awesome. a huge fan. So yeah. thanks for having me. Amazing. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, guys.